Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel, where you will receive the essential tools to take your faith to the next level. I am your host, Brian Ratliff, and I currently pastor Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. Here is the latest message preached from one of our services. Grab your Bible, pen, notepad, and get ready to jumpstart your faith. Today, I would like to label my sermon title with these words, The Lost Art of Fasting. The Lost Art of Fasting. I know that that we are Baptists, and Baptists do not place a great emphasis on fasting. But I believe that as you study church history, you'll find out that the greatest Baptist preachers, the greatest Baptist pastors, and the greatest Baptist churches emphasized the importance of fasting. My very first experience with fasting, I was a junior in high school, and during the time I was taking a class called Strength and Conditioning. One week we had a week of, of playing games in the gym, and which was why I took the class, by the way. Um, but the second week we had strength training, and we were in the weight room, and I happened to be going on a, on a fast uh, for spiritual purposes during the, the week that we were having uh, strength training. And I was in the weight room, and I remember getting up on the squat rack, and I had the bar right here on my shoulders, and as I went down and went back up, listen, I almost passed out. <laughs> I say all that to say this, is that there's times in our life where, yes, the Bible talks about the importance of fasting in secret, but be smart about it, okay? If you have a, a job that requires you to do some intensive manual labor, be smart about when and the timing is when you fast. Today, I want to just give you a summarization of, of really not every verse in the Bible. I've looked at the, the past week or so. I've spent, spent a lot of time meditating and researching every single verse in the Bible about fasting. And there's two individuals that fasted for 40 days and for 40 nights, and you probably know who they are. The first one we, we discover in the book of Exodus and Deuteronomy, a man by the name of Moses. And when Moses did this, he was on, on top of Mount Sinai, and the Bible says that he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights without food and water, which he was in the presence of Almighty God, which allowed him to do so. Studies show that you can go up to, give or take on your body type, 50 days without food and probably uh, give or take your body type about 10 days without water. Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4. In the Old Testament, we read about the Day of the Atonement or the Jewish Day of the Year, Yom Kippur in Leviticus 16, 23, and Numbers 29 and 30. That was a single day of the year that they atoned for man's sin, but it was also declared as a day of fasting in the Old Testament. In Judges chapter 20, the Israelites fasted for God to give them victory. In the book of Samuel chapter 31, we read about how Saul's death came on the scene and the people of Israel were mourning in such a state that it drove them to fast. Oftentimes, when you study the Old Testament, fasting is mixed with a time of mourning and grief. And perhaps that's, that's why we have a tough time with grief these days, is because we don't do the lost art of fasting during those time periods. The, the Bible says in 2 Samuel that David fasted. Remember, David committed adultery with Bathsheba. 
Bathsheba's husband was, was killed in war as a result of David's command. And during that adulterous affair, Bathsheba was with child and the baby was born. And the Bible says the baby got really, really sick and David went and fasted on behalf of that baby. But the Bible says that God did not spare the baby's life. In other words, when we sin, we do reap the judgment of God. And sometimes God's judgment is death. Ezra, Jehoshaphat, Jehoiakim, and the prophet Joel all proclaimed public fast. Yes, there's a time where we should fast privately, but I believe there's also a time that as a group of God's people, we should declare a fast, and we've done that over the years. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 58, verses 3 through 6, that Isaiah talked about the health benefits of fasting. Not only can you do this for spiritual purposes, but you can also do it for a, a way to gain your health, a time of cleansing. Or athletes will do what's called intermittent fasting to help boost their muscle growth. Zechariah talks about in chapter 7 verse 5 how, how he was declaring a, a time of judgment of God's people because they were fasting for the wrong reasons. And as we transition to the New Testament, the Apostle Paul talked about fasting in, in Corinthians. He talked about it when, when, when a, a husband and wife are, are together in marriage, not to defraud each other unless there's a time period of prayer and fasting. And then a couple other times he speaks of fasting in 2 Corinthians. And then in Luke chapter 18, it's very interesting. A Pharisee comes and he begins to pray and he says, I thank thee, O God, who is my father. I'm paraphrasing. He says, I am glad that I am not like all the rest of these hypocrites and sinners. I tithe a certain amount each month and I fast twice a week. That's Luke chapter 18, verse 12. And by the way, tradition tells us that the Jewish culture, they fasted two days out of the week. And then predominantly the, the early church was made up of a lot of Jews. And so we believe, according to history and tradition, that two days a week the early church fasted. They did that on Wednesday and on Friday. Now with all of that in mind, I want to share this key statement with you. The secret weapon to fighting the good fight of faith in this world of sin is fasting. The secret weapon to fighting the good fight of faith in this world of sin is fasting. Now, I've studied the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, looking at every single reference about fasting, and no as another pastor and commentator and theologian said, God doesn't specifically command us to fast. So you could go your entire Christian life without spending time fasting and praying. But you know, you could also go your entire life without follow, as a child of God without following the Lord and believer's baptism. You could also spend your entire Christian life without getting active and involved in a local church and just sit at home and watch a preacher on TV. You certainly could do that. But may I share this with you? 
is that if we really want to take our faith and our walk with God to another level, then we are going to spend time. I'm not saying spend two days a week fasting. I'm saying, hey, maybe a meal here, maybe a meal there of just going in your closet and just trying to, to get rid of the sin in your life through the power of fasting and asking God to forgive you and to help increase your walk with Him. Today I want to ask and answer this key question. What does the Bible say about fasting? I want to share with you three thoughts about what the Bible says about fasting and how it applies to our life today as a New Testament child of God. I wrote down, first of all, we, I wrote down this, when we fast, we obtain the favor of God. When we fast, we obtain the favor of God. You remember growing up, going to school? Sometimes there was, maybe, maybe you were the individual sitting in the front seat of the class, raising your hand for every question. Maybe you weren't. But you know that sometimes that person can be labeled as a teacher's pet. And a teacher's pet will tend to have the teacher's favor. And I simply say that to say this, is that just as a student would try to gain favor from a teacher, I believe that when we fast, and may I say this? Fasting, from a biblical perspective, literally means abstaining from food. So when we fast, we are literally saying, God, I need you more than I need food, and I want your favor in my life. As a church, if we ever to do a public fast, a church-wide fast, we are saying, God, we want your favor, not just my individual life, but as our church life. Perhaps... Maybe that's why churches are declining in membership, declining in souls being saved, declining in growth spiritually and numerically because the body of believers is not taking their walk so seriously that they are going to spend time fasting to the Lord. Now today I, I must say that I am no expert in fasting. I've done it some, but I need to do it more. I wrote on this. Fasting privately obtains God's favor. That's what we see right here in our passage today. Jesus said, just as he said when you give alms, just as he said when you pray, he says when you fast, don't be like these hypocrites who are going around so that people can see them giving all this money, giving all this time of prayer, and spending time looking as if they're fasting. He said, wash your face. Don't let people appear. Don't let your appearance seem to be as if. You're fasting. He said, do it in secret. And when we do those things and fast and pray and give alms in secret, the Bible says, I believe that we have God's favor. I also wrote on this. Not only fasting privately obtains God's favor, I wrote on this. Fasting prayerfully obtains God's favor. I love studying the book of Acts. And in Acts chapter 10 we read about a guy named Cornelius and how he, in verses 30 and 31, spent time fasting. The Bible talks about how the early church in Acts chapter 13 and verses 2 and 3, the Bible says that when they fasted, they also prayed. It says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. They were getting ready to embark on their missionary journey. The very first one in verse 3 of Acts 13 says, And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. 
fasting is not done so that you can just say, hey, I fasted two times a week. Fasting is done so that instead of spending that time, that 30 minutes or, or those two hours you spend eating at that buffet, instead of spending that time doing that, you're in your place of prayer seeking the face of God. And I'm afraid that we, as the American church, spend more time stuffing our face with food than seeking the face of God. Not only is America obese physically, but we are obese spiritually because we do not take care of our spiritual bodies. In Acts chapter 14 and verse 23, again, the Bible tells us how the early church, when they fasted, they also prayed. And then it's very interesting, the prophet Daniel in Daniel chapter 9, that great prophetic book about end times, it says that when Daniel was, was fasting, he was also in a mindset of prayer. Now, I know that there's times that we're going to fast or abstain from television or social media or all that stuff, and I'm not belittling that or degrading that, but biblically, fasting is abstaining for a period of time from food. Did you hear about that Baptist? He, he was a good old Baptist boy, and he walked into the church that day. He said, I spent the whole night fasting, and I broke it when I woke up and ate breakfast. <laughs> Fasting prayerfully and privately obtains the favor of God. But I also wrote on this, fasting purposefully obtains God's favor. You know, the Bible doesn't mention a lot of people fasting. Very few. But I found it interesting in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. The Bible mentions a woman, a prophetess by the name of of Anna, who was, who was 84 years old. She was a widow. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 2, verse 36 and 37, it says, And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and, and four years. In other words, okay, so she's older than 84 years. She was married for 84 years. And it says, When she departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. I was in Israel. It was, it was an interesting day. It was during the time of Ramadan. And if you know anything about Islam, that is their time where they fast. For, once they wake up in the morning, they fast all the way till till the sun goes down and during the summertime you know the sun doesn't go down to like nine o'clock so listen I was in the elevator and this guy happened to be a Muslim his eyes were just as bloodshot as I could ever ever remember seeing anybody and he was just talking about how hungry it was and he was talking about Ramadan and that stuff is real other religions they practice this stuff but but I believe that that practice is vain and today, our purpose for fasting is not so we can go around and see other people out and about and be like, look at me, my eyes are so bloodshot, I've been fasting for all week from sun up till, till sundown. No, no, the purpose here, as this lady did it, is to serve God. You might say, well, I just don't have any gifts and talents to be used from God. Yes, you do. Can you pray? Could you skip breakfast one day and spend it in the hour of prayer? When we fast, we obtain the favor of God. The secret weapon to fighting the good fight of faith is fasting. I wrote down secondly, 
When we fast, we obtain not just the favor of God, but the power of God. When we fast, we obtain the power of God. Jesus was the one who set the great New Testament example for fasting. And although His words never declared us to fast, He practiced it. He knew the importance of receiving God's power. And in Matthew chapter 4 and in Luke chapter 4, we read about how fasting gives us power over temptation. Jesus was tempted of the devil on three occasions. Each of those occasions, he was quoting the word of God. But on one of those occasions, the devil tempted him and said, Hey, you see the stone? I know you're fasting for 40 days. You've been fasting all these days, and you've got to be hungry. And if you've ever fasted for a few meals, you know that the hunger cravings are going to hit. And so Jesus, I'm sure his, his uh, nature, human nature, was just hungering for some food. And Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Perhaps the reason why the modern church is giving in to temptation here and temptation there is because we've lost the art of fasting. Do you want God's power? Do you want the power of God to be on your shoulders? I believe Spurgeon had that great power that we read of him because he was a man who practiced fasting. I believe George Whitfield was a man who preached all over the great colonies here in America years ago and, and him and Jonathan Edwards were the ones that God used to usher in the great awakening and I believe that they were so impactful in that generation is because they took their walk with God in such a serious manner that they fasted and prayed. I also wrote on this. Fasting not only gives us power over temptation, I wrote this, fasting gives us power over tribulation. Fasting gives us power over tribulation. May I take you back to the prophet Daniel. Daniel chapter 6, and if you were here on Wednesday night, the other Wednesday, we studied Daniel chapter 6, and how in Daniel chapter 6, the, the Bible says that there was these group of men who come on the scene, and they, they were trying to get to just come in and just, just take out the legs of Daniel and just dethrone him from being right underneath the king's leadership. And so they come in, and they devise this law, and they got the king to pass this law that if you prayed or asked petition from anybody else but the king for 30 days, you'd be thrown into the den of lions. And so they find Daniel praying the three times a day in his house that he did a four time, the Bible says, and they got, brought the, the situation to the king and the king realized what was going on and he was kind of frustrated about it. And so they took Daniel and they threw him in the den of lions. And the king, Darius, said, that Daniel's God is going to deliver him. And in Daniel chapter 6, verse 18, the Bible says that not only did, did the king go that night praying, but the Bible says he also fasted. And I believe that there's times in our life that we go through some very serious trials, whether sicknesses, whether whether. All sorts of other stuff, maybe financial hardships, maybe a marriage hardship, maybe whatever it could be. I believe the greatest thing we could do for that time is to skip a meal here or there and say, God, would you help and intervene? Just like the king did in Daniel chapter 6. I also wrote down, fasting gives us power over destruction. 
Not only temptation and tribulation, but also destruction. I love the Old Testament. And in Esther chapter 4, we read about another woman who was greatly used of God. If you have ever read the book of Esther, you know there's really four key characters. King Ahasuerus, a guy named Haman, Mordecai, and Esther. Mordecai and Esther were related, and Haman, Mordecai and Esther were Jews. Haman did not like the Jews, and so Haman devised, kind of like, like Daniel's situation, devised a law that all the Jews were to be destroyed. And Queen Esther marched into the king's palace. Mordecai, they got a whole group of people, they were fasting and begging God to move. And God moved and saved them from being destroyed. The man, Haman, who devised these gallows to hang these Jewish people, found himself hanging on those gallows instead. When we fast, we obtain the power of God. May God help us. May God give us His power. May God give us His favor. The secret weapon to fighting the good fight of faith is fasting. But I also wrote down this thirdly and finally. When we fast, we draw closer to God. Not only will we obtain God's favor, not only will we obtain God's power, but we will draw closer to Him in our relationship. You know, relationships are important, are they not? Your relationship between your spouse is important. Your relationship between your children or your grandchildren is important. Your, your relationship between your siblings, your, your peers that you grew up knowing from a childhood, all those relationships are very, very important, and we should do our best to, to foster them and to help them grow. But the most important relationship that you have in this life is your relationship with Jesus Christ. And today, I don't know about you, but, but I want to draw so close to Him each and every day of my life, and the greatest way we can do that is by fasting. I'm telling you, it is. There's a guy. He's not Baptist, but, but man, he's good. Um, I think he is a Pentecostal pastor. His name is Jensen Franklin. And this guy, if you've ever listened to him, I, I, I listen to a wide variety of pastors. And I may not agree with everything he says, but I'll tell you one thing. He is serious about fasting. And he pastors one of the largest churches in America, a good church. And, and, and he, he is being used of God in a great way. And I mention him because, listen, I try to think of Baptists in our day that are mega church status that God is using and who place a great emphasis on fasting, but I'm telling you, I can't think of any. So, I want you to know this, that you don't have to be a Baptist to draw closer to God, but if you want to draw closer with God, you'll spend time praying and fasting. James chapter 4 verse 8 says, draw nigh to God. And when we draw nigh unto God, the Bible says he will draw nigh to us. I wrote down this, fasting to confess our sins draws us closer to God. In Nehemiah chapter 1 and in chapter 9, the Bible says that the people of Israel come together and 
And there, there's individuals praying on behalf of the people of Israel's sins, how they sinned against God. And, and they're also fasting. And, and there, they're confessing those sins. There, they're lifting up their voices to God, abstaining from that time that they could have been eating and, and indulging themselves in some of the great tasting food of their day. And instead, they're asking God, God, cleanse our hands. We are dirty. We are sinners. And we need your forgiveness. In Jeremiah chapter 14, verse 12, the prophet Jeremiah is doing a very similar thing. And perhaps I know that this week we're celebrating freedom and, and another year of, of, of the United States of America. But perhaps what, what God's people could do in the United States of America is get on our knees and our faces on July 4th and say, God, would you restore America's relationship with yourself? And say, God, forgive our nation from all the wickedness that we have committed as a whole. God, forgive our nation from the homosexual practices. God, forgive our nation from all of the abortions that have been committed. God, forgive our nation from all the prostitution. God, forgive our nation of all this sin that's going on. May God help us to confess that just as these old prophets did. You see... The eastern sky has not revealed the second coming of Christ. So I believe there's still time that God can move. There's still time that God can send revival in our nation. As long as we're serious about it. I also wrote down this. Not only fasting to confess our sin draws us closer to God, but I wrote down this. Fasting to purify our hearts draws us closer to God. And Joel, the prophet Joel, chapter 2, verses 12 and 14. He talks about this. And Joel was a mighty prophet of, of many, many years ago. And the book of Acts quotes him about the last days, about God's spirit being poured out. But in this section, he speaks about how when we fast, it's a time that God, we're asking God, to purify our hearts. I mean, let's think about it from an individual level. When's the last time we were so convicted of our sin that we said, wow, I can live without that Chipotle. And I'm going to go in my car and drive up on top of a mountain somewhere and say, God, forgive me of my sin. When's the last time we've done that? I also wrote down this, fasting for revival can draw us closer to God. The man Jonah, the prophet Jonah in the Old Testament was a man who, he was a prophet, but he was running from the will of God. And he runs so far away from God's will that he landed in the belly of a whale, the Bible says. <laughs> And after he got out of that whale's belly and he receives the second word of God in chapter 3 to go to Nineveh, that city of the Assyrians and how they were so wicked and vile. And he didn't want to go. He, he, he did not like them. And he didn't want to go. He said, God, they're so wicked. Why would you want to ever save them? And that whole scene, that whole story in the book of Jonah, I think about this. There is nobody too far gone that God can save. 
There is no sinner so far down the miry pit of sin that God can't reach down and pull up out and use in a great way. The Bible says that Jonah went and he preached a one-sentence message. Don't you wish that was a sermon for today? <laughs> one sentence? Maybe next week I'll give you a one-sentence sermon. I uh, keep on dreaming. I'll tell you that. You keep dreaming. But Jonah goes in and he preaches a one-sentence message. And the Bible says that they, they, they got right and repented and got their, their relationship with God restored. And the Bible says that it was in such a manner that they put on sackcloth and ashes and they fasted. When we obey God's will, it can lead to an outpouring of the Spirit of God and revival. And Jonah finally obeyed. He didn't have the greatest spirit, but he obeyed, and God sent revival. So today as we reflect on all these verses about fasting, I'm not saying you need to go on a 40-day fast. I'm not saying that. I'm just suggesting that the American church is in the state of decline spiritually because we have failed to spend time fasting and praying. And I believe that we can see revival just like the Assyrians did in our nation today, as long as we will use the secret weapon named fasting. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel. As a token of my appreciation for you listening today, I would like to give you my free ebook devotional called Jumpstart Your Faith, 30 Days to a Renewed Faith in Christ. Just go to www.pastorbrianratliff.com to download it. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to listen to more messages like today's. And if these messages have been helpful to you, please leave a review. If I could be of any help in your spiritual walk, please let me know by emailing me at pastorbrianratliff at yahoo.com. And one last thing, if you're in Roanoke, please consider joining us for one of our worship services at Clearbrook Baptist Church. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you and have a great week.